Hey guys, this is Molly. So happy to have you listening today. You are in for a real treat because you don't have to be stuck just listening to my voice blab on and on. I'm doing my first ever interview with my friend Emily. She's sharing her story of being a teen mom, how she came to Christ, as well as I wanted to talk to her about everything going on in the news with abortion and how us as the body of Christ can encourage women who find themselves in unexpected pregnancies. So that's what we're talking about today. Well, happy Monday, you guys. I hope you had a wonderful holiday week celebrating the 4th. We had a great time. We actually got to go to two parties, one on the 3rd and one on the 4th. Just a good time with friends, good food. I love not having to cook, not having to come home to dirty dishes, and just enjoy a good meal with friends. So we had a wonderful time, and I love fireworks. We got to actually watch fireworks over a lake um, at one of our friends' houses, and that was just a blast. Just beautiful. So getting into this interview, I'm not going to talk very long here because I I really want to jump into this. Um, This interview with Emily, I feel like comes at just a perfect time with everything that's going on in the news with abortion. This is a really relevant, her, her testimony is very relevant to what's going on today. And just hearing her perspective of being a teen mom and being pressured to get an abortion. And I don't want to give away the details of what happens in her story, but I know you're going to go away being encouraged, being inspired, and being challenged as well. So let's just get right into this interview. Hey, Emily. Hi, Molly. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you on my podcast here today, my first interview ever. So thanks for being willing to be the first one on the show today. (laughs) Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I want you just to start with telling us a little bit about yourself, like your family and what you like to do. Yeah, so um, I've been married to my husband, Aaron, for almost five years We have three little boys. Grayson is seven, Caden is almost four, and Nathan is almost two. So we have a fun, busy little life. Um, I love things like, I love being outside. So I love working in my garden and going on hikes and walks and things like that. And I'm also a student. I'm going to school to be um, a high school English teacher. So that takes up a good portion of my time. And um, I'll occasionally um, substitute at some local schools and things like that. So we, we definitely stay busy. I stay busy all the time. Yeah, you're like super mom going back to school. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah, I don't know about that, but it's been fun. <laughs> I admire it. Well, that's so awesome. Um, for everyone who's listening, Emily goes to my church and we've known each other for quite a while. I got to see kind of the story unfold of her meeting Aaron and actually I knew Aaron before I knew you (laughs) that's true so yeah so awesome well I'm so excited to have you come on here and just talk about abortion and about dealing with an unplanned pregnancy and like who else to have on the show but somebody who's like gone through dealing with what it's like having a pregnancy that you didn't plan on having so um just start with telling us a little bit like what was your life situation like and like how old were you when you found out you were pregnant so I was 18 when I found out I was pregnant with Grayson Um, okay 
I had just started university. A little bit of backstory. I'm originally from Canada and I had moved. I'd lived here from when I was a little girl, but I'd moved back up to Canada close to where my grandparents lived to go to university in their town. And I'd been in university for a month when I found out I was pregnant with Grayson. Wow. And it was pretty crazy. Um, had no idea that I was pregnant. I didn't think I could be pregnant because I was doing all the things that should make it so you don't get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, went into a routine doctor's appointment for tendinosis I had in my wrist because I was a barista and all the things you do with your wrists working with coffee and um, mentioned offhandly to the doctor some things that were happening. And he did a couple tests and said, oh, by the way, you're pregnant. And I had no idea at all. So it was quite a shock. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So you, okay. So you were with your boyfriend for how long? Um, together for a little while? Kind of the crazy story behind that was we were only together for a very short period of time. We went to the same school. Um, we would only been together for a month and we'd actually broken up. Like we broken off our relationship the day before I found out I was pregnant. Okay. So wow. we were, I mean, certainly not it was certainly not a kind of relationship where I was um, committed or thinking you know we were going to be together for the long haul or anything like that it was very much a you know kind of casual starting school thinking thinking nothing could really touch me kind of relationship it was a yeah it was a that probably more than anything was really what knocked me off my feet was just like, oh, these kind of relationships can amount to more than what you're expecting. So yeah, for sure. And then did you like when you found out you were pregnant, were you did you like tell him or were you like, I'm not going to tell him because we already broke up? Like, how did you handle that? That would be really hard. Yeah, so I did tell him. um, I told him, because I was really early on, um, I had to wait for some for blood work to come back to confirm. And once I had it, confirmed um I had him meet with me and he kind of had an idea already because of what I was saying kind of over text of you know needing to talk to him about something mm-hmm. and uh yeah that was it was not a it was a very hard conversation to have for sure and then you guys still decided to not be together right you knew that I'm I'm assuming you knew like it wasn't going to work out yeah so we kind of I think we kind of tr- Tried for a very short period of time. Well, the first thing was that um, he pressured me very hard into having an abortion. Like he really did not want me to keep the baby, um, which I, you know, I it was not really ever. And I'll talk about this. I'm sure we'll talk about this in a little bit. But I didn't mm-hmm. really. I thought about it for for a really brief period of time, but I just knew in my heart, like as soon as I found out I was pregnant, like this, this being inside me is a baby. Um, and so he, but he was not pleased with that. He was not satisfied with that. His parents were really unhappy with me. Um, and so we kind of, once he realized I wasn't going to have an abortion, we kind of tried for a very short period of time to make things work, but, um, but that didn't last for longer than like a couple weeks. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, while you're like dealing, that's like a lot of stress being 18 and your boyfriend is like, I really want you to get an abortion. And you guys like hadn't even been together for very long. Like what? So as you're dealing with all this, what part did, 
God play in this? Were you a believer at a time? Did at that time, did you have faith in God or like, what was, what was that part of your life? Like, you know, it's really interesting to me because I was not a believer. I'd had a very short kind of stint in the church in a youth group, I guess it wasn't even with a church, um, my freshman year of high school. And that was really it. Like I, you know, I prayed the prayer and accepted Christ and those kind of the, you know, the, the things that you're supposed to do, but really had no solid faith at all. Mm-hmm. And so, but in, it was so funny to me because as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I found myself even really without recognizing that's what I was doing. I found myself praying, even if it was almost like screaming at God, like, why would he allow this to happen to me? Mm-hmm. Um, even though I had no, really no faith in him at all. Hadn't even hardly acknowledged him for years. Um, so, I mean, yeah, no, I was not a believer at the time, but I, looking back now can see where God's hand was in all of it and see how he led me and how he cared for me, even if I couldn't recognize it myself at that time. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So, um, as you, so you said that your boyfriend was like kind of pressuring you to have abortion. Was that, did you, was it like hard for you to be like, no, like, I'm not going to do that. Did you feel like the sway of like, maybe I should get an abortion. Like what was your thought process and all of that? Well, what was it, what was hard was because he wasn't the only one who was really pressuring me on that. I had multiple friends and just different people in my life who it's, it's interesting. And I'm sure there are many women, young women, or I mean, I'm sure that there are many women who, who face unplanned pregnancies who feel the pressures to have an abortion people, people come out of the woodwork to tell you that abortion, that they've had abortions and that abortions are not as big of a deal as you think they are, or, you know, well, I had one and, you know, look at me, I'm okay. And things like that. And for me, like, I never really considered it seriously at all. Um, I had a moment when I was not, I wouldn't say farther along, I was probably like 10 or 11 weeks, which is still far enough along, but just, you know, in, in in the grand scheme of my pregnancy where it began to feel really overwhelming. Um, but in those first few weeks, I just, I knew like I I could just see myself. I'm like, I'm I'm having this baby and it didn't really, I mean, to me, it hurt my heart to hear all these people saying these things to me and about me, but it didn't change my mind, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, like you said, it sounds like, you know, God had a plan for your future and, and somehow like God showed you like, this is a baby, like, and you're going to have this baby, like no matter what people say. So like, um, then at what point did, I mean, was it while you were pregnant that you came to, do you think while you're pregnant, you came to Christ? Was that later on? Like, what was that shift from like, I've prayed the prayer, but I don't have a relationship really with God to like, I'm following Christ now. So when I was pregnant with Grayson, I got, um, I had a friend who had also had, um, was also a teen mom and she got me together with, um, a teen mother's group that was held out of the church that you and I go to now. (laughs) Um, and you know, 
after everything I'd done and after everything that I'd said and all these things that had happened, you know, I was really hesitant to go to a church group. Like, even though she was reassuring me, you know, that yes, the group's held at a church and yes, they pray and things like that, but it's not pressuring or anything like that. And I was like, okay, yeah, whatever, but it's church. I mean, my only experience with church had been the Mormon church, which is pretty pressuring. Yeah. And then, um, or can be, not always, but it, the one that I was um, looking, had kind of looked into when I was living up in Canada was very, very pressuring. And then um, that was a Mormon church. Yeah. Up in oh, Canada. Okay. Yeah. And then um, my little bit of time, I guess I forgot to mention that part. Well, that was before I started university. It was a very, very brief, um, brief thing. And then um, the church that I'd gone to, or the youth group I'd gone to as a teenager was also very, very pressuring. And so I was just convinced, you know, that I could not, there's no way that the church would accept me. And mm-hmm. I was just, I remember, I think I had thought in my head as I was walking in the doors to the church to go to my first group night after, by the way, like six weeks of the group leaders and my friend being like, hey, why haven't you come yet? Wow. <laughs> um, finally being being brave enough to go in those doors, convinced I was going to burst into flames. Like, <laughs> like there's no way, right? Mm-hmm. I remember walking in that room and my friend greeting me and the leader of the group le- um, greeting me and then going and sitting at a table by myself because I was like, this is, this is scary that all these moms were around but they all knew each other and here I am I was about six months pregnant just terrified because I I mean I should say that after I um, found out I was pregnant about a month and a half two months after I found out I was pregnant I moved back home to here um because I knew I wasn't gonna be able to raise my son by myself I needed my mom yeah um and so I walked into that group like I said I went and sat by myself and one of the um, mentor moms came and sat with me and she just would not leave me alone <laughs> wow. in her sweet, wonderful way, would not leave me alone and wanted to talk about to me about my baby and about my life and what I was doing and things like that. And slowly I began to see that the people, because of course she was a Christian, she was a mentor mom for this Christian group. Yes. I began to see what it looks like when people put on the hands and feet of Jesus and live out their faith versus just stating their faith and mm. stating and putting judgment on you with their faith. Is that, if that makes sense, like yeah, living out, you know, loving the least of these, you know what I mean? And so it was really you, incredible. Did you feel like, so when you said the other churches you've been to were like pressuring, this was different for you. Oh this yeah. New experience. Yeah. It, I didn't feel any judgment. I felt like the loving kindness of the Lord. And I felt so wrapped up in their love and their care for me and their support. Um, and it's funny because I, you know, I attended this group and I can vividly remember um, one of our, we would have these topic nights at our group at our main leader's house. And I remember she had asked the group, like we would talk about all kinds of things. And she asked the group, like, what, what would you say your faith is? Or do you have any faith in Jesus? Cause she's just so bold and I love that about her. And she was like, and I just remember coming to me and I was still pregnant with Grayson at this time. It was probably about a month before he was born, maybe two, three weeks before he was born. And I remember being like, you know, I, I believe in something, but I just, I'm just not quite ready yet. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the, one of the other mentor moms from the church, after I'd had Grayson, I remember kind of idly meant, she asked me, she's like, what, 
have you ever considered going to a church or like a group or anything? And I was thinking in my head, well, they have, you know, they have like Bible studies for women and then they have like youth groups for teenagers, but there's nothing for my age. So if I just say, you know, well, it'd be cool if I could find a young adults group knowing that there wouldn't ever be anything like that. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, actually we have a group for young adults at our church. Oh, wow. And she goes, my daughter goes to that. You should go with her. And Aww. I was like, well, darn, I just walked <laughs> myself into a hole. Oh, and I went because I was like, well, I kind of said I would go, so I'm going to go. And I was just like, I'm just going to check it out. Like, you know, whatever. And I remember walking in there and it was a group that kind of ran almost like a church service. We would have a potluck and then we do worship and there'd be a message and we just kind of visit and fellowship until basically until the cows came home. We always got out of there at like midnight. Like the pastor would leave and be like, okay, you, one of you guys has keys, lock up. So this was a different group from the like oh, the yeah. teen mom Sorry, group. I say, yes, a young adults group at a different church okay. at the time. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Um, no, that's okay. <laughs> I'm tracking with you. Um, and I, I just remember walking in there and feeling very you know, afraid to say anything. And I didn't bring Grace in because if my first time going, I wasn't sure how I'd be received or anything like that. And I'd had nothing to worry about, but I remember we did worship and the first song that came on, I don't remember if it was the first, but a song that came on is um, blessed be the name. And I'd remembered singing that at the youth group years and years before. And I just had this really interesting moment with the Lord where I almost felt like I could feel his arms wrap around me. And it was just like, oh my gosh, like it wasn't like an altar moment, altar call, like repraying the prayer, but it was this moment in my head where I went, I cannot deny you anymore. Hmm. Like I cannot pretend that you don't exist or that you don't matter, that you don't care for me. Like Hmm. you do. And it was a very bumpy road from then on. Um, But that was kind of the changing moment of when I, you know, turn my, turn myself over to him. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how like a lot of times God brings us to himself, whether it's like initial, like starting to have a relationship with him or just going deeper in our faith when it's a deep, challenging time in our lives where we're just like broken, you know, for sure. We can hear God's voice. Like, I feel like so much better because we're like desperate. We need him, you know, more than ever. Exactly. So that's, yeah, that's amazing. So that kind of happened like right after he was born that you were yeah. like, okay, like I can't, I got to give my life over to him. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So um, I'm sure that that was, I mean, so you had just had him, you're getting support from like this teen moms group, you're going to the youth group. So then it probably just kind of progressed from there you know, did you start going to church regularly from there? It was like a slow process, a fast process? It was, it was an intense process because um, I started attending the church pretty quickly. And it was like, I think it was my, after my very first church service, first or second, I think it was my, probably my first or second, yeah, church service that I attend. I, I, I went to the youth group, not the youth group, the young adults group for, like, I think I went once or twice and then started going to the actual Sunday services. And I'd been over at the mentor mom who introduced me to the church. I was over at her house for dinner that evening after church. And she was talking about how they were getting ready to do baptism soon. And I was like, well, I want to be baptized. And she's like, uh, well, I think they did the class like two weeks ago. <laughs> like, I don't really know how I'm going to get you there. I was like, well, 
It's like, how we're going to do that? She goes, well, let me just email the pastor who runs it. And, um, they're like, well, if she wants to do it, is she willing to come in and just talk to us about it, about what, what that's supposed to look like? And I was like, absolutely. And so I ended up being baptized, like just a couple weeks after I came to Christ. Um, it was really cool. The young adult pastor, the young adult pastor who, um, was leading the young adults group and who I had started to really create a relationship with him and his wife. He was the one who baptized me, which was really special. Um, and from then I actually spent a season working for that church, which was really cool. That was God's hand 100% because I don't know if I would have stayed. I have definitely have a personality where I have a hard time sticking with things. And I'm not sure if I would have stayed accountable if I didn't have the, um, like the requirement of, because I was working for the church having to be at church and serving in the church and things like that. That was totally the stewardship of like the Lord stewarding me. Like it was amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, it was not easy and there was a lot of bumps along the way. Um, I think a lot of the shame of what I'd had, of what I'd done and what I experienced really inhibited me from making good choices for the Lord for a while. But over time, I just, it, it, I just, over time I became more and more faithful to him in his goodness and grace and not of my own. Um, but you know what I mean? It just, it it wasn't, it definitely wasn't like a quick, like, light on. It was the slow refining process. Yeah. And that's what I like, what I feel like it's like for anybody, no matter what, it's like an up and down, you know, you've got hills and valleys and you learn stuff and then like we have times where we fail and then it's you know up and down but God's like with us through it all teaching us and growing us so yeah for sure so moving on then with your life so you had a you know young son and you're what maybe 20 by then what how old is your son now and then how did kind of life progress for you as a single mom you're not a single mom anymore now so tell everybody like in in a short gist of it like what you know what kind of happened after that yeah so well Grayson's seven now so that was seven years ago he just turned seven just Emma yes (laughs) I have to tell you I was telling Grayson I was like I'm gonna be doing an um an interview with Emma's mom and he's like that's weird (laughs) I can totally see him saying that. That is so cute. It was sweet. Um, And so I actually met the man who's now my husband at that group um, about probably like less. He started coming about two weeks after I did. And the funny story with him is that he walked into the group with another girl (laughs) Oh no, and Aaron <laughs> walked into the group with another, with a different girl. I mean, they weren't dating or anything, but he, yeah. he had recommended the group to her and they, or they, they had gone, I don't know, maybe she had gone there before. I don't know, but he walked in there and our young adult pastor um, had said to him, cause the group was called the well. And he said, okay. well, you know why people come here? He's like, people come to the well to get married. And Aaron <laughs> looked at him. He's like, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Oh, funny. And so, um, yeah, we met. I, I barely remember meeting him the first time. He does not remember meeting me. It was very anticlimactic. And <laughs> really, funny. we just laugh about that because what really drew us together was Aaron really fell in love with my son, Grayson, um, way more so than he did with me initially. 
And I can remember coming to the group and Aaron would walk in and come steal Grayson out of my arms and go get his food or go talk to whoever. And I would typically not have Grayson in my arms for the most, most of the evening between him and any of the other people there. Um, and people just... need to know that Aaron comes from a large family. Yes. So he's yes. got experience of... with kids. <laughs> Aaron is one of, he's the third oldest of nine kids. So he is very familiar with babies, very familiar with kids. Um, and he, it was just like a magnet. Grayson loved him. He loved Grayson. It was just this very special, sweet relationship. And we tell Grayson now, like, your daddy picked you before he picked me. Like we've been very open with Grayson about the whole story and everything. And that's just been a very special part of our story. And we um, really kind of like, I'm really, I really admire my husband greatly because he really was obedient to the Lord and waiting on his timing because we both, I mean, there were obviously feelings there way before we actually started pursuing them, but with a lot of wise counsel, Aaron knew that he could not, pursue me in any sort of romantic way unless he was fully committed because I had a child he was not going to date me for the sake of dating it was if I ask you to date me I'm planning on us getting married right and so I admired him a lot for that in that moment I didn't really admire it as much because I was head over heels for this guy and I wanted to (laughs) move along but yes he was so faithful in that Mm. um and so we started um when we we started dating about a little less than a year after we met and then um it was from from there we got engaged about six months later and then got married about six months after that and it was just really incredible to see the way the lord orchestrated everything and he did he did yeah. so much in my life to make me more like him in that time um, and to really rid me of so much of my shame and my um, mm. just the things that that were holding me in bondage. It was really mm-hmm. incredible to, I mean, it, I say it was really incredible to witness because there were some moments where I felt like I was almost having an out-of-body experience. Like, this is happening to me? Like, I cannot believe this is happening to me right now, that the Lord is doing these things in my life. And yeah, it was incredible. We, And then from there, we had... Um, we had another little boy about just over a year after we got married. And then a little less than two years later, we had our third little boy. And yeah, we've been, like I said, we've been married almost five years. We five years in August. We are just enjoying. That's this crazy. Life. It's been that long. I know. I met you. I met you when you guys were dating before you, you even got married. So you met us the day we started dating 4th of July. Really? <laughs> yes. Wow. Cause it'll be oh, our I six years together now. anniversary this week. So I remember That's meeting crazy. you the 4th of July. <laughs> and I feel like, um, just you sharing that story. It's like, you see, you know, you, you took one step of, at a time in obedience to Christ and God come came through, you know, and took care of you and, bless you over the top with like a loving godly husband and it's so cool to see that it's like you know god just wants us to take one step at a time of obedience to him and he's gonna take care of us and provide for us yeah exactly so moving on i want to talk about abortion now and for everyone listening one of the biggest reasons i was so excited to have emily on here is because a few weeks ago 
especially when things were really ramping up in the news with things about abortion, Emily shared on her Instagram stories, just kind of her thoughts about abortion. And I was like, wow, I just loved hearing your perspective because you are one of those women that had the unplanned pregnancy that didn't have, you know, a boyfriend or a a husband that was supportive of you in the situation. And I, I just loved what you shared. So if you can just kind of share with everybody, like what are with what you've gone through, what are your thoughts about, you know, the increase in legalizing abortion and, and just in general, um, the abortion issue that's going on in our news? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember. I, I, so you're so sweet talking about the Instagram stories because I remember doing that. But I barely remember what I said, but I think it just breaks my heart. Like looking at the news right now and seeing just the lack of value for life that is just rampant in our nation. Um, I would never say that the situation that I was in was easy and that I just magically, you know, found this group and then found the Lord and then everything was fine. Like, no, I had multiple days where I was crying because I didn't know how I was going to buy diapers. I had, you know, trying to make a rent payment or trying to put gas in my car or wondering how I was going to pay whatever bills or what, I mean, it was not easy. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I, I don't want to give the impression that, you know, it's all it takes is for a mom to submit her life to Christ and then everything's going to be fine. Like it's, it's the Lord provides, but it's not easy. Right. Um, and I think I, For me, I think it's this, I think a lot of it stems from this mindset that children were intended to be, you know, we know out of, you know, a perspective of the Bible and what the Lord has to say about children is that children are a blessing and a gift. Right. Um, But I think our nation is coming at it with this idea that children are a burden and they're an inconvenience and they're to be added to our families when it's the right time. Mm -hmm. And and I th- certainly think there's an uh, there's an element of needing to use wisdom and adding to your family. Like it's right. not. I think you know. I, I think you need to follow what the Lord is leading you in individually. Some families that may be having a large family, some families that may be having one or two. I think you need to follow the wisdom of the Lord. But this idea that a child that is conceived is an inconvenience or a burden or a problem is just heartbreaking to me. I think. There's so much in scripture that stands against that. I think there's so much in science that stands against what, um, what mainstream media is trying to convey to us. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Like when life begins and yes, like yes. one of the it's things just a clump of cells. It's like, wait, oh, what? No. I know. And I think there's two things. Um, one, there was an article that went out recently that talked about that idea of like, you know, a clump of cells versus like being a baby, you know, these women who were um, going into abortion clinics and were um, told that it was, you would just be passing tissue when you have the abortion. So these, this would be under the, um, doing a, like a medical abortion. So it'd be like taking, taking pills and then that would induce labor kind of thing. Yeah. And women were coming into clinics with babies in like holding their babies. Like you told me this was tissue. This is a baby. You lied to me. 
like multiple instances of complaints and things like that. But the other thing that I was thinking about, this is why I talked about my stories. We're like talking about like this idea of when life begins or just kind of talking about this whole issue is I think there's so much that's trying to convince people of what children are and what they aren't. And it kind of starts, it starts early when one of a very pro-abortion article that was kind of being shared on Facebook was talking about how these heartbeat bills that are being passed where, you know, abortion is no longer legal after a heartbeat is detected. Mm -hmm. And that it's usually about six weeks um, gestation. They're talking about how um, that an actual fetal heartbeat cannot be detected, but it's just what's called the fetal pole. And it's Mm. just the, they're saying it's the vibration of cells along the fetal pole that it's not even actually a heartbeat yet. And to me, like that just made me feel so sad because I think of all the women who have had miscarriages or have had, um, or stillbirths or have, you know, have a baby after a loss or anything like that. They, all they want is to see that heartbeat on a screen, right? Or hear it over a Doppler. And to say to those women, well, what you're seeing is not actually a heartbeat. Like to diminish that just feels Mm -hmm. so devastating. And so what I talked about in that story was when I was pregnant with Caden, I was having some really horrific pain in a place where I should not have been having pain. And they were worried I was having an ectopic pregnancy. And I remember sitting in that emergency room, waiting room, just crying because I wanted this baby so badly and no, like worrying that if I, you know, I'm going to go in there and have this ultrasound, what are they going to see? What am I going to do? All these mm-hmm. things. And seeing that heartbeat on the screen in a baby were exactly where he was supposed to be felt like such a miracle. And to think, well, I was about six weeks along to have people say, well, no, that wasn't even a heartbeat. I just mm-hmm. think that main, like we've devoided, not only have we taken scripture out of the equation but we've taken like common sense science out of the equation too yes in order to to be able to get what we want want. to have control over our bodies basically exactly and And to have the convenience of our life to be able to say you know well this is not convenient for me right now this is not what i want this is not what i planned this is not yeah what i'd intended Mm -hmm. so Yeah, yes, for sure. And um, I think what I think about when I hear about all this going on with abortion, I think, well, what am I supposed to do? What can I do to help and be able to like support the cause of pro-life? And so my question kind of to you is, I mean, you shared a little bit your experience in the church, but what do you feel like the church body? And when I say church body, I don't just mean like, you know, the church building, but us as believers, what can we do to support women in who find themselves like in an unplanned pregnancy? Like, what can we do? Because that's what I'm like, what's the action here? What can I do? You know? <laughs> oh, and I love that. And I think, you know, I, that's the best way to stand against what, you know, stand against the pro-abortion causes for the church to step up for the women who are, who are needing help. And I think, you know, our, I think that the, the body of Christ is really realizing that and is doing a really incredible job moving forward in that. Um, 
some of the biggest things that were like hugely impactful for me were like some, sometimes it was as simple as just doing life with somebody. So for me, um, the mentor mom that introduced me to her church and I started attending her church and those kind of things, I spent so much time with her and she basically just like adopted me into her family. Um, she had um, several teenage children, teenage and adult children of her own. And she just kind of adopted me in and I got to just do life with her. I would come over and we cook dinner together. I come over and just hang out with her and her husband or that be working in the garden or just little things like that, that just made such a difference to know that I had, I had people who cared about me. Um, practical things like there's um, typically, I wouldn't say in every region, but usually around somewhere there's um, there's some sort of ministry that works to help young moms providing diapers, providing formula if needed, providing clothes or food or whatever, little like practical things like that. Like I, um, the group that I was, the teen mothers group that I was a part of, it was really cool because I was a part of it as a mom for several years. And then I um, stepped in, I got to step in as a leader for several years and really incredible ministry. And they would give, um, depending on the year and depending on how it all kind of shook out, you'd either, the moms would either get a box of diapers every meeting, which was twice a month or a box of diapers at the beginning of each month. And um, we had a church, a separate church that the church body, that particular church um, members, they fundraised every year and collected diapers. And at the same time, they would do Christmas gifts for all the moms. So just like even that, like adopt, if you see, if, or if you know there's a young mom or a teen mom who's either she's pregnant or she's got a little one, um, adopt her for Christmas and provide gifts for her and her, her kiddo or kiddos, um, things that they would never be able to afford for themselves or that, you know, their family wouldn't be able to afford for them. Um, just, I mean, I would just say to look at these moms and think of them, you know, if you're a mom, think of them as your own children or think of, mm-hmm. think of them as if your mom had, you know, had needed help or like to really empathize with their situation. Because I think, and I can get like this too, I think it can be very easy for us to divorce ourselves from the hurt and the suffering that people are going through and to just kind of look upon people with judgment and say, well, they put themselves in that situation. They put themselves there. They, they have to reap the consequences when really we have an opportunity to love like Jesus. We have an opportunity to serve them and love them. And in my situation, I was loved back to the, back to Christ. Like Mm -hmm. the love of these women who stepped in and cared for me and loved on me and supported me and, they didn't judge me, but they spoke truth over me. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like they, they didn't judge me and they loved me. They loved me right where I was, but they didn't want me to stay there. They wanted me yeah. to grow because I think the biggest harm we can do for somebody is just to pretend that what they're doing is fine. Like, of course, in wisdom and in kindness, speaking truth in love. Um, but that's what these women did for me is they wanted, they wanted more for me than where I was. Um, mm. So yeah, that that is really, I think, what hit home to me the most and what all you shared is the difference between the churches you went to before and feeling like pressured and like judged and 
And then when you came to the, to the new church where you're like, I feel loved. I feel people are really caring about me, really caring about who I am as a person. And then that's kind of what led you to Christ, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that I feel like is huge. And it's a good reminder to us all is like, are we like, are we looking at people like Jesus would, or are we just judging people based off of, you know, the mistakes they've made and their sins? Because we need to love people right where they're at and encourage them to, you know, like you said, not stay where you are, but accepting people where they're at so that you can help them move forward yes, in exactly. their life. So, yeah, that is really, I think, really important. So as we just like finish up, my last question for you, and if you can think about what you would say to a young woman who's like scared and afraid with unplanned pregnancy, what would be like the one thing you would say to encourage her to choose life instead of abortion? Huh? I know. Heavy question. No, sorry about that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I have, and I think the biggest thing you can say that I, I mean, like that I would say if Mm -hmm. I, knew a young woman and one and knew that she was in the situation. The biggest thing that I would say is you're not going to be alone because that was my biggest fear was that Mm -hmm. I was going to be alone and that I was going to have nobody to help me. And I wasn't going to be, I was going to have to figure this out all by myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lie that the enemy tells young moms all the time when they are, facing an unplanned pregnancy is that like, there's no way you're going to be able to do this because you're alone. Like you're, I mean, not always. I I know that there's multiple, I mean, there's often, you know, a boyfriend who stays in the picture or they get married or things like that, but it can feel very lonely and very isolating, especially if you're young and your friends are not, I mean, none of my friends were having babies. (laughs) None None of the people in my life, my friends were all going out partying and drinking and doing their own life or going, or even, you know, not making, not necessarily those kind of choices, but, you know, going to school or, you know, dating or things like that. And like, just to know, like to have the kind of support, have some support and have somebody in your corner and just to know that the Lord works all things out for good. Like I, I remember sitting in that doctor's office when I was pregnant and it was a, this very young new doctor who had no idea what to do with me because I was just sobbing my eyes out and he's handing me tissues and he, like, you know, of course his op- his offer to me was, well, it's not really a baby yet. You could just, we could, we can make this go away basically. And just thinking in my head, like, how is this going to work? I know that this is my baby. I have to, I'm going to have this baby and just, to see now, like look back over the last, well, it'll be eight years in October since I found out I was pregnant, um, to look back at the last eight years and see the way that God has been faithful to say to a young mom, like, you're not going to be alone. God is with you and he is faithful to fulfill what he begins in your life. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that would be that's what I would have wanted to hear. So, yeah. And it's, and it's crazy to think like, what if you didn't have grace then? like, he's such, you know, you just, when you're pregnant and you're in that moment, because for me, like when I was pregnant with Emma, that was an, we were not 
planning on having kids. And it's hard in that moment when you're like shocked and you're upset (laughs) to think about, I'm actually having like a kid and I'm going to spend time with this kid. And this kid is going to be my whole world. Like if we could only (laughs) kind of put ourselves down the road and see, you know, if, if someone chooses to not keep that baby, like what all they're missing out on. And I think back now and I'm like, I'm so sad that I even thought like, I just like wish I wasn't pregnant, you know, because I love Emma and God brought her in my life. And you would say the same thing. God brought Grayson into your life for a reason. Exactly. And you would never take that back. You would never be like, oh, I wish I wasn't his mom, you know? And Oh yeah, no way. For sure. So yeah, I loved what you shared. I loved just the fact that girls that are in this situation, they need support. They need to know that they're not alone. And, and that really, if, they reach out, you know, if they reach out to their church or a crisis pregnancy that someone is there is going to be there for them to support them in the process. Yes, exactly. And there are a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of resources available and there are a lot of ministries that, you know, their, their purpose is to serve moms in these situations. And I think, you know, the enemy doesn't want that, you know, doesn't want those things known that support to be known, but it, it is there, you know, it's not perfect. It doesn't make it easy, but it, it is certainly possible. So. Yes, for sure. And if there's anything I've learned in life and like, even me being a single mom is like nothing really worth like having in life is going to be easy. And so I think that's like so important and our culture doesn't doesn't really believe that but it is really true like the hard things in life are what have the most value so yeah well thank you so much Emily for coming on and sharing I loved hearing your story and I know it's going to encourage so many people oh Molly thank you so much for having me I really loved being here that's awesome okay well thanks for coming on all right thanks Molly Well, I'm so thankful for Emily coming on and sharing her story. If you want to follow her on Instagram, her Instagram handle is at Emily Classic. I'll leave that in my show notes. You know, the verse that came to my mind as I was listening back to this interview, it's the verse in Romans 2, 4 that talks about God's kindness is what leads us to repentance. And that is really so true Um, with Emily's story. It was God's kindness through being shown through other people that led her to coming to Christ. And I think that's an inspiring motivation for us to say, uh, to ask ourselves, am I showing God's kindness to the people I meet wherever, at the grocery store, at the library, while I'm at work, wherever, am I showing God's kindness as well as God's truth? And, And those two things are inseparable, I believe, well, should be inseparable in how we approach those who are lost. So, I hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you next week. Bye.